This morning, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17 will be our passage this morning. We've just been singing about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is also the Son of Man. He is 100% God and He's 100% man in one person forever. Furthermore, He is the highest of all the kings of the earth. He is sovereign. He rules His own church. He rules the world. Even people who are evil, eventually end up doing his will. Remember the fact that the sons of Jacob sold Joseph into slavery? And remember how God worked that out, that Joseph became the prime minister of the nation of Egypt. Furthermore, he is the creator. And that's what we're going to see him this morning as the creator of heaven and earth and all that in them is. In fact, we read and have read here that God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son on the basis of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to the kingdom of God, to the future kingdom, and you will belong to that kingdom forever. No end. So your citizenship right now as a believer in Jesus Christ is eternal, and it's stamped for all eternity in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he deserves the preeminence for the sacrifice he made. We also learned previously, last week, that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the one who always reveals the Father God. When Adam and Eve were walking in the garden with God, there was the person pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. When Moses heard the bush talking, I am that I am, that was Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. Wow. What a deserving place he deserves. Now this morning, we want to look at him in a little different light. Take a look and read and follow with me in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We read also, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, he is also the head of the church or head of the body, the church. We'll talk about that next week. First of all, we see, for by him all things were created. 
Actually, the way Paul words this, this could, this could actually be stated because and by him, or because by him, or that by him, all things were created. And we also notice that the previous verse, as he's the image of the invisible God, he is the firstborn, meaning that he has the highest rank of all creation. Now, firstborn generally meant in the Old Testament that the firstborn chronologically would receive the ground and all the blessing. But that is not always true. It could be forsaken. For example, in Jacob's son, Simon should have received all the property and the blessing, but he blew it in his life, and that actually then went to Judah, the thirdborn. So it does point out to us Firstborn means rank. Firstborn means, means position. In Psalm 89, verse 27, we read, I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of earth. And that kingdom is coming. Jesus Christ is in heaven right now, but he is coming back to this earth a second time. And when he comes back the second time, he's not riding on a donkey. He's not going to the cross. When he comes back the second time, he's coming on a horse. And he will destroy all of his enemies with the breath of his mouth. And he will assume his role as a king of the earth for 1,000 years. And then he will continue that reign in the new heaven and the new earth as the new earth will be renovated by fire and the whole earth will enjoy what God intended for it in the first place. The whole universe was created, therefore he is the sovereign, he is the highest in rank, and he is the highest in position in the universe. Christ is the one in relation to whom all things were created. Take a look with me and look at John chapter 1, verse 1 and following. That little prepositional phrase, in him, locates all creative plans and forces residing within him. John chapter 1, 1 to 3. You know this passage, but let's review it in light of the fact that he's the creator. In the beginning was the word. When the beginning began, Jesus was there. That's what he's saying here. Whenever the beginning began, Jesus was already there. God was already there. The Holy Spirit was already there. They had been there for all eternity. So when your little child asks you, where does God come from, which they do on occasion, you say, he's always been here. He's been here from all eternity. He's always existed. So he says in this passage of Scripture, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Man, I tell you what, John starts out pretty deep in his, in his uh, truth. Furthermore, he was in the beginning with God. Don't buy the Jehovah Witnesses Bible which says he began in the beginning. No, Jesus was already there. He was co-equal with God. Verse 3, all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being 
that has come into being. Everything that is, every element of this church, every atom, every molecule was created by God at one time. Everything you see. Look at Hebrews now, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. Again, it emphasizes the fact that Jesus Christ spoke the word and things came into being. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways. In these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he, God, appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, and listen to this, the exact representation of his nature. And he holds all things by the word of his power. All things are held together. Atoms are not flying loose. And if there is one atom that is loose, God's not in control. That's all his sovereign control is. Furthermore, he holds all things together by what? You can talk back here by what? The word of his power. It's his word that holds and sustains all that we have. What do you think gravity works every morning? Could you imagine what it would be if gravity were unsteady? How horrible that would be? You'd go to pour a cup of water and go to the ceiling? Can you imagine where the, if there were no gravity, if it came and went like your electricity? <laughs> Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse or 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3. How do we understand all this? How do we understand all this creation? How do we understand how God created the world? Well, God tells us. He says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11, by faith we understand the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which were visible. How do you understand that? Well, I'll tell you what the problem is in our world today that has bought the evolutionary theory hook, line, and sinker 1 Corinthians 2.14, not in the board, but it's worth a turnover to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I can't give you the page number because all our uh, Bibles are different, or I'd do that. But in this passage of Scripture, we read, But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them. Because they are spiritually appraised. That's the only way you can appraise it. You can only find this out from God's viewpoint. Now we have people today that have really struggled 
with the evolutionary form of thought simply because it doesn't hold water. It's not scientific at all. It's a theory. And the theories that keep coming up keep falling apart. Do you know where most creation scientists get their information? They get their information from evolutionists fighting each other because theories don't hold up. So the spiritual or the foolish man cannot understand these kinds of things. So let's take a look at the nature of creation. Christ created all things. All things were created by him. The word created. Take a look at the nature of God's creation. Number one, it's supernatural. When Christ created the world, he did it supernaturally. For example, look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Exodus 20, verse 11. There's always been a discussion of the six days of creation in Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> Hundreds of years later, God raised a man called Moses and directly wrote <clears throat> the Ten Commandments on the ground, put it on stone. And as Moses came down this, the mountain, they were already sinning. They had already broken all ten of the commandments. And he threw and broke them. But contained within the ten commandments is this interesting statement. The statement goes like this. For in six days... The Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them, all is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, if we're going to interpret the Bible literally, which we do here, this cannot be hundreds of thousands of years in one day, and so you have rest 100,000 years. Six days. That jives, by the way, with Genesis chapter 1. Furthermore, go to Exodus chapter 31, verse 17. Exodus 31, 17. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. Just keep in mind the seventh day is Saturday. We have people changing the Sabbath to Sunday. By the way, whoever gave anybody that right to do so? It's always been the Sabbath day on Saturday. Keep it in mind. Furthermore, we go to Nehemiah. Now, this is a little test of your Bible skills. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Nehemiah, verse 6. Years ago, I had our brother Roger, when he was reading through the Bible, to mark all of the places in the Old Testament where creation was used. And I don't remember anymore, Roger, how many you found, but it was unbelievable how many times from Genesis to Malachi, God's creation is a part of his character and worthy to be worshipped. Nehemiah 9, 6, you 
are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heavens of heavens, the all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You gave life to them all, and the heavenly host bows down before you. So how did that happen? Jesus created the world without nothing whatsoever. One moment there was nothing, the next moment there was earth and the heavens. By his spoken word. You don't hear that on CNN or Fox News. Theologians call this ex nihilo, out of nothing. One minute's there, one minute's not there. Furthermore, creation was sudden. It was not only supernatural, it was sudden. Look at Psalm 33.6. I guess I got it on the board for you. Psalm 33.6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, they all, and, and by the breath of his mouth, all, it seems like I'm missing a word in there, all their hosts. Maybe I'm not. So what does it mean? and the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. <whistles> Over. That quick. It was sudden. Turn to Psalm 148, verses 1 to 6. Psalm 146. Excuse me, Psalm 148, verses 1 to 6. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the Lord, for he commanded and they were created." And he also has established them forever and ever. And he made a decree which will not pass away. Who did that? Jesus Christ. The one who hung on the cross for you. The one who saved you. The one who bought your sins. Paid for them to the last farthing. Notice, there is no gradual development, step by step, out of nothing, and no intervals of time to make the transitions from absolute non-existence to existence. All I have to do is keep asking a question, where did that come from? Where did this come from? Where did the world come from? Where did the moon come from? Where did the stars come from? Where did... Where did the planets, where did material, physical things come from? At some point, it had to come out of nothing. 
Really? Is there any scientist that believes that? If you're going to go back far enough, some point, some nebulae, some atom, some molecule had to pop out of nothing. Why can't God do that? You know, we believe in, uh, the world believes in a God of time and chance. Unbelievable. For years, we have not been able to create life in a test tube. Tried it. Get a few molecules maybe going together with amino acids, but they can't get life. And if they could get it, and they've tried it in a test tube, tried it in a laboratory, and if they've tried it there, and they finally got an animal that could reproduce and it died, they got to go through it the whole thing again. Statistically, it's unbelievable. In fact, it's impossible. What is life anyway? I've been there where people have passed away. My father, my mother, my in-laws have passed away, and I've been with many other people who have passed away. Suddenly there's life, and suddenly there isn't. And I'll try to get it back. If you think that's an amazing miracle that can't really is too great for anybody to believe, let me ask you this. Turn to John chapter 5, verses 28 to 29. You want to see a staggering miracle? I'll show you one. That most Christians who would have trouble believing creation seemingly have no trouble with this one. John 5, 28. Do not marvel at this. Don't be shocked about this, Jesus said. Don't marvel. An hour is coming which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. How many? How, how many is all? All is all. That's all all is. Everyone from Adam... To the end of time will hear, who have died, will hear the voice of God. Now what happens when you look at this passage? And will come forth like Lazarus out of the grave. Those who did good deeds to resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to the resurrection of judgment. Imagine, what kind of miracle is that? How long has Cain been in a grave? Thousands of years. You couldn't find a trace of him with a microscope. And yet God's going to say, come forth. And here he comes. In bodily form. If you have trouble believing creation, you should have trouble with this one. Is there anybody you know of except somebody in some isolated place who's a little uh, who's ever been raised from the dead after he's been dead four years let alone thousands of years? That's a miracle. 
creation stands just a greater miracle as that, or that is a greater miracle as this. Take a look at this passage, Romans 4, 17 on the board. As it's written, a father of many nations have I made you, God speaking to Abraham here. In the presence of him, God, in the presence of God, whom Abraham believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Wow. You know why Abraham could believe he'd have a child, even he and Sarah, both after the age of bearing children? Because he believed in a God who could do what he said he could do. A third thing in the nature of creation is it involves a supernatural or a superficial appearance of history. Turn back to the first chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And verse 11. Shouldn't be hard to find. If you're in the index, you've gone too far. Go back. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11 says, Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and morning the third day. Okay? On the third day, if you were allowed to go on, go on the earth, you would see a sunflower blooming. You would see an apple tree with apples, pears with pears, cherries with cherries on trees. So what would you have thought if you didn't know what happened? My, somebody planted a real nice orchard here. Took years to grow a fruit tree. Took years to grow a vineyard. <clears throat> Man, how much vegetation is there? I drive from Hampton to here on Sunday morning, and I, I don't know that I could count all the plants that are growing. I was in the Cairo Museum years ago, and uh, King's Tut tomb had been robbed, but there still was some wheat in that I guess is wheat or barley, weed in that tomb and had been buried for 3,000 years. And they took that grain and they planted it and 60% of it came up. Where's life in that? If you took that grain and ground it up, it'd be nothing but fine, gritty stuff, right? And yet that's alive. It was alive. Well, you say, I, I don't know, I can go that far. Another supernatural or superficial appearance of age, look at Genesis 1, 27 and 29. He said, God created man in his own image, in the image he created him, male and female. Catch that? 
Catch that? Male and female. Most people here understand that? Good. Male and female, not Bruce and Bruce. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves. You're in charge. Now, if you would have gone into the garden five minutes after Adam and Eve were created and you saw this couple there, what would you say? How old are you, Adam? You're, uh, I'm about, I'd say you're 30s. No, he'd say I'm five minutes. By the way, he didn't have a navel either. Nor did the fruit trees have rings. Neither one are essential for life after they're born. Take a look at the miracle that Jesus did. One of the uh, authors who has a Ph.D. degree in chemistry wrote this. The miracles of feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000 involving the instantaneous creation of both animals and plant material certainly cast light on the creation of the animals and plants in day three, five, and six. Want another one? How about the miracle of making water to wine? Let's try that one. The fact that our Lord stated with water, oh, excuse me, the fact that our Lord started with water should not detract from the fact that it was a genuine miracle of creation. The Lord took H2O and turned it into CTH12016, or O6, rather. Fructose, the sugar found in wine, as well as many other products found in wine. There was not only direct creation of billions of carbon atoms, but also the arranging of all these atoms into the highly complex molecules in wine. None can deny that it was sudden. Wow. When Jesus said fill the water pots, he created 150 gallons of wine. Now don't go salivating. <laughs> but he did. Think of all the other miracles. A paralytic let down from the roof takes up his bed and walks. Wouldn't any of us give us the power to be able to heal people like that? But he could. Why? He's a creator. Furthermore, we read about creation. Creation is in both heavens and earth. We find out both in heavens and in earth. The highest of heavens is the third heaven. You've heard that before. We have the atmospheric heaven where you and I see the thunderstorms, the clouds. We have the second heaven where the galaxies, stars, 
and all that is in them. And then we have the third heaven where God dwells. <laughs> Do you notice the first verse of the Bible? In the beginning, God made the what? Is it singular or plural? Plural. And the earth. Singular or plural? Singular. He made the third heavens. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, we read, A true river was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were open. Who are these myriads? In context, they're angels. You want to know when the angels were created? In the beginning, God created the angels, heavens. How do I know that? I know that because God said to Job, when he created the world, the earth, the angels rejoiced. They were there. They saw it all. Yet even the angels had a beginning. Look at Revelation 5.11. guess I'm not giving you a lot of time. I see I'm running out of time and I'm ready tend to finish at one. <clears throat> Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, billions of angels. All created by a spoken word of God. All there. Now, if you really want to work a Bible, you turn back to before Psalms to the book of Job. To the book of Job, chapter 5. What a powerful piece of literature this is and as it describes Job's meeting with God. Man, this is a portion. If you're ever discouraged, go read this passage. And I'm sure you are from time to time, as we all are. Job 38, verse 1. Got it? Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Remember, Job is answering all these philosophical questions about life for, through the verse, through chapter 37. Finally, he meets the Lord from the whirlwind, a tornado, and said, Who is this? who darkens the divine plan by words without knowledge. Now, tighten up the belt on your waist like a man. Don't you like that, how God speaks to us? Man up. Face to face. Eyeball to eyeball. I'm going to talk to you. And I shall ask you and you inform me. You tell me. Okay? You tell me all this stuff. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Okay, God asked you that question. Where were you? Where am I? Anybody see it? Just in case. 
go on, I won't pass you over. He said, where were you when I laid the foundation of the word? Tell me if you have understanding. Nobody has ever seen it. We've seen the results, but we've never seen it. Nobody's seen it. Everything that you look back there without the Bible is guesswork and theory. Okay. Uh, who set the measurements? Who made this earth 25, 24,000 miles around the equator? 8,000 miles thick. Who did that? Or who stretched the measuring line over it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars, that's the angels, sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Then he goes on. Who closed the sea with its doors when it comes bursting forth? I always get a kick out of that. I love the ocean. I love to stand by the ocean and watch those waves roll in. And My folks-in-law used to live in Northern California, 300 miles north of San Francisco or Eureka, California. And they had storms up there. And we were there in February, and the waves were 15 to 20 feet high. And I'm standing on shore, and here comes this massive wave. And I'm standing far enough back that by the time that 20-foot wave gets to me, it's nothing but foam. And you read in the Scripture that God held the oceans back after the flood. They never again will overrun the earth. There will be minor floods, but no oceanic flood with the earth getting so hot that all the ice melts in all the cities who are a thousand feet or less will be underwater. Florida will be gone. If you believe that stuff, I pity you. God is yet to show his universe what he's going to do with this earth. We are living on the most fantastic planet in the world. Who said its measurements? The second heavens are the galaxies and stars. I could go on forever on this. The planets rotate counterclockwise around the sun. They go this way. No, this way. This would be counterclockwise. All of the planets. All nine of them. Okay. The planets contain less than 1% of the sun's mass, all of them. Yet, 98% of all its angular movement. It takes the sun six years to rotate. We rotate around the earth at 365 and one quarter days a year. And the sun is just barely going. How can that angular movement spin us out there that slow? Furthermore, all the planets rotate in this counterclockwise position. And they all have the same angular movement. They're all moving counterclockwise around the sun. Except Venus. How does it rotate? It rotates the opposite way. Instead of going this way, uh, this way, it goes this way. Everybody else, all the other nine are going that way. Well, that's not the only exception. What about Uranus? 
Uranus goes around the sun this way, not this way, this way, N for N. What about the moons? There's 52 moons in the universe. And they all run, as the Earth goes, they go around the same way, like our moon, which, by the way, is a subject all unto itself. But our, all the moons, 52 of them, go around the Earth, but they don't all go the same way. Some scientists said, some astronomers said, well, there's not enough going the other way to really make a difference. Out of the 52 moons, 20 moons are going a different direction. I love God, don't you? <laughs> Just about the time you figure it out, he throws something in there and throws everything off killer. Don't you love that about him? You're not going to figure me out, God says. You're going to have to read my word to find out about me. Ah, uh, see. Yeah, I got a minute or two. <laughs> Earth, created out of nothing, with a cool crust. It had water all over it. When God created the Earth, it was covered with water. He divided the waters from the waters. Half of the waters he left on earth, the other half he suspended. Why do you think they could grow ferns in Greenland? Why do you think an alligator could live in Greenland or Iceland? It's all the same temperature. One time they did. They're there. Their fossils are there. Their bones are there. We know they live there. Frozen in rock. The earth contained all the elements that make up rocks and soil and every other property. <clears throat> more than ever before, with our scientific knowledge, more than ever before, we can say in Psalm 139, 14, I'll give you thanks to you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. Sad. Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. The invisible, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made. So they're without excuse. The minute he said invisible, he changed the scene. He opened it up to a spirit world. Three passages in Ephesians, you can put them on the board. Ephesians 1.21, Ephesians 3.10, Ephesians 6.12, all talk about a spiritual world. <clears throat> We're going to talk about that next Wednesday night. The cosmic kingdom versus the kingdom of Christ. There is a cosmic kingdom. You know what this should do? He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know what this should do? When you open your eyes in the morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, take a look at what he made. 
He made it. Who do you think made the sun come up, go down, moon circle? Who do you think made that beautiful flower on your table? Who do you think made all that corn to grow out here, beans to grow out here? Who do you think watered it? Who do you think withheld it? Mother Nature? Do you think natural laws just operating at chance and time? Some scientists have come so far in our day and age to say the only explanation is an intelligent designer still will not admit it's God. The evidence is there. They can't deny that. Somebody had to design this. It's God. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to have the preeminence. You know what it says? Everybody in this room is going to see him eyeball to eyeball personally. Everybody in this room. You're going to see him. And you're going to see him in one of two ways. You're going to see him as your Savior and Lord or as an eternal judge full of wrath because you would not bow the knee to him. You can make up your mind. It's either or. You may say, teenager, I'm a teenager. I got 40 years, 50 years left. You don't know that you even have tomorrow. I buried enough teenagers over the 60 years of ministry to know they don't all live till 20. And I buried 20-year-olds and 30 years old in every age from living only 20 minutes from the womb to dying shortly thereafter. But everybody in this room is going to meet him. You're going to meet him. What are you going to tell him? Well, I just enjoyed my fun. I knew you were the creator, but I can give it a much thought. Are you going to say, I love you, Lord? I've loved you and I've enjoyed every minute of air that you gave me, of all the life that you gave me. And it wasn't worth fighting with someone else. I loved you more. It wasn't worth being greedy. It wasn't worth all those things. When I saw what you did, that I said with David, what is man that you're mindful? What is man that he came and rescued us? So the question this morning is, what are you going to say? What are you going to say when, when you stand before God? Because let me tell you, you are. It's not an if. It's a fact. And as sure as you're sitting here this morning, you're going to meet him. Let's stand for prayer. <clears throat> Father, you're the creator. Your son created all, all members of the Trinity had a part of this. But it's the son, Jesus Christ, with whom we've got to deal. And you've made the statement, every knee will bow in heaven, in earth, 
and under the earth, calling him Lord. Can you call him Lord? Honestly. Can you say in your own heart, he's, Lord, he's my Lord? Or is it just some phony, fake, religious thing? Make it real this morning. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit will do his work. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.